0: Good evening. If you will, please open your Bibles to Romans chapter seven. Um, as you turn there, I will say, I, um, I think the vote would have gone differently had they told you this morning that when you become an associate minister, you get an extra fifteen minutes allowance of preaching time. So, I hope no one's planning to rush out tonight. So let's uh, let's look at Romans seven. Our passage tonight is Romans seven. Uh, we'll look at verses thirteen. 25. If you don't have a Bible with you, you, uh, feel free to use the Black Pew Bible. You can find our passage on page 943 of the Black Pew Bible. We're looking at Romans 7, verses 13 through 25. Now hear the word of our Lord. "'Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means.' It was sin, producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate." wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Would you please pray with me? Our Father in heaven, help us as we come to this passage tonight to understand it. But not only to understand it, O Lord, by Your Spirit, I pray that You would help us to emerge out of our own struggle against the indwelling sin, looking for Christ, because we know it is in You that we have salvation. So we pray, O Lord, that You would teach us. We pray, O Lord, that You would draw us near to Yourself this evening. We ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. What do you do in those times when you contradict yourself? It can be an uncomfortable moment for any of us. Whenever I am caught out in a contradiction, I I think of a, a poem written by Walt Whitman where he has this line. He says, do I contradict myself? And he answers the question by saying, very well then, I contradict myself. I'm large I contain multitudes I love to throw that line out to my wife whenever she points certain things out and it's to my advantage to quote Walt Whitman when you're not a skinny person that's uh, it's helpful but I, I only do that joking to her she knows that and hopefully you know that when I would say oh I, I I'm happy with my contradictions, I can contain them all, I embrace my contradictions, that you would know that when we find ourselves in such a contradiction as we find in Romans 7, we don't like it. It's not something that we embrace, and in fact, it it most of the time will cause us great pain, will keep us up at night. How do you handle those times when you contradict yourself? Well, we see that pain of contradiction here in these verses tonight, as Paul the Apostle is writing in Romans 7. And we want to look at that, and he's going to help us to understand as Christians how we deal with those inner contradictions. And so we're going to look at this. We have actually four points this evening. The first is we're going to look at a contradiction that is described. But then we're going to ask the question, okay, then who is this describing? Who is being described? And so that's going to be our second point. But this will then help us to understand the reason for our own contradictions. The reason for our own contradictions. And then finally, how the contradictions within us can be resolved. Don't worry, we'll come to all of those in due course. But first, let's look at this contradiction described. Look at verses 14 through 16, Paul writes this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. I mean, you read these verses, or you hear uh, it being read out loud, and, and you really get a sense of... Of frustration here. You get a real sense of frustration sort of oozing out of these verses. It's out of this contradiction. There's there's someone who is doing bad things, but he hates doing those bad things. it is these bad things, but I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I, I, I want to stop doing that. And you read that, and uh, very few of us are, are going to start laughing Glad I'm not that guy. Because we we wonder, is this describing me? You know, how do I explain those moments when I do those things that I hate, and and I I really do hate doing them? I, I did that thing, and I know I'm not supposed to. It's bad. It's evil. It hurts my friends. It hurts my family. It hurts me. It dishonors God, and I can't stand that I did it. How do you? How do you explain those moments? You say something like verse 17, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. You go on, you hear the pain and anguish in these verses. It crescendos up to verse 24. It's like he's shouting out, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? The pain of these. Contradictions. I do the things that I hate. I don't want to do them anymore. This pain that's described here—it's this. It's not just a one-time event. It's not one, it's something that has happened uh, a long time ago that sticks with you. If you look at verse twenty-one. He says, so I find it to be a law that is a a principle, not a law like the Ten Commandments law, but I find it to be a principle that when I want to do the right thing, when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. In other words, he's saying, even when I'm doing good, it's not easy. Even when I'm pressing forward to doing what is good and honors God, it's not easy. There's another principle that's always pulling at me and always tugging at me. We've already seen uh, in uh, last week uh, that, that the law of God is, is holy and is righteous and good. That's what verse 12 tells us. And we know that as, as Christians, we know that the law of God is holy and righteous and good, and yet we find ourselves consistently falling short. And so we see in verse 14, the law is spiritual. The law is spiritual. But I am of the flesh. Or that is, I am unspiritual. I think this is something that we can all relate to, isn't it? Where we look at the law of God, and we may say, God, this is unfair. That you are telling me what I can and cannot do here. But in reality, we know that my problem is not with God's law. That's not their problem. My problem is with me. My problem is not with God and His law, but my problem is with me. My problem is with the, the sin that lives within me. I have sin that keeps pulling at me even though I know what is good and holy and, right. and so here we have this picture, a sketch for us, of, of uh, the contradiction within, uh, within uh, a person here. Now, as we see this contradiction, I want us now to consider though who the Apostle Paul is talking about. Who is being described here? Who is this Contradiction Describing. This is a, this is a key question uh, to, to be able to understand and apply this chapter. I, I think there's a sense in which all of us resonate on some level with what's being described. If I, I know it's right and good and I, and I don't do it and I hate that I, I, that, that happens. But there's there's quite a bit of debate even uh, among Reformed and evangelical scholars today about as to who Paul is talking about. Even in my my office upstairs back there, I've got uh, a few commentaries on uh, the Book of Romans, and and even my good commentaries disagree with one another. Who is Paul talking about here? And I, I want to take a few minutes and and to to try to answer that question because I think. It's it's not merely an academic exercise. I think it's going to be really important to show uh, how the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer and will help us in our worship and our Christian living. So first of all, we have many modern scholars who look at this and say, this description, especially verses 14 through 25, I do that, which I... I know is not right, and I hate it, uh, and so on. They argue that this cannot possibly be describing a converted Christian. This cannot possibly be a real, regenerate believer. Now, why would someone say that? Well, if... You've been with us. You've seen in Romans chapter 6 that, that the Christian is one who's no longer under the law, but under grace. And, and Romans 8 we'll see soon. And verse 2 tells us that the believer is one who has been set free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Romans 8 will later describe uh, believers as those who are more than conquerors who are in Jesus Christ through Him who loves us. And so you, you look at these verses going around and saying this can't possibly then be a converted, regenerate believer here in these verses. Can a, can a true Christian really say what is said in verse 14? That I've been sold under sin. Can a real, true believer say in verse 19, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing? Can a believer really say that? Or verse 24, can a real Christian shout out, Wretched man that I am? How do we how do we square those things? Well, I, I want us to consider that instead of thinking that Romans 7 cannot possibly describe the experience of a believer, I actually think that these verses can only describe the experience of a Christian believer. And I want to give us a few reasons why. First, when you notice what you notice when you read these verses, if you're really into grammar, you may have noticed that Paul is switching from past tense in the previous verses, and beginning in verse 14, he switches to present tense. But until this point, he's been writing in past tense. He says in verse 14, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. That is unspiritual. Verse 15, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the thing that I hate. He's saying this in present tense. This is happening now. This is happening in my life right now. It's interesting, whenever you see Paul elsewhere in the Bible talking about his life before conversion, he talks in the past tense. He talks about who he was. When he talks about who he is, he talks in the present tense. Whenever he talks about his pre-converted life, he's always in the past tense. But it's not merely a grammatical observation here. Notice, secondly, how Paul, what Paul thinks of himself here in these verses. Look at verse 18. Paul says, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. And of course, verse 24, wretched man that I am. You may look at that and say, okay, Ben, what's what's your point? Well, what do you see in the Bible when you read the Bible? When you see unbelievers talking about themselves, you almost always see them describing themselves in self-righteous terms. And I think even for the immature believer, you see them as, as, as describing themselves or presenting themselves as self confident. I think of James and John, the sons of thunder, wanting to call down the fires from heaven. They're believers, but I think they were still immature believers in that time. What does the mature believer in Christ think about himself? Yeah. I'm a man who is completely dependent, entirely, 100% dependent upon the grace of Jesus Christ. You don't find in the Bible an unregenerate man saying, I know that nothing good dwells in me. The unregenerate man says, I know good dwells in me. It's only in the light of the grace of Jesus Christ that the believer really sees who he truly is in the flesh, apart from Christ. It's interesting. If you're ever concerned about your spiritual condition, one diagnostic tool is to ask yourself how do I view myself? Do I look at myself and say, I've, I've got it all together? Or do you recognize that I have sin in me and I hate it? You know, there are many people, many people in church who will tell you all the time, yes, yes, I've made mistakes. But only the truly converted person will say, I have sinned. I have sinned. It's not somebody else who's sinned, I have sinned. It's not because of my circumstances that made me do this. It was me. I'm the sinner. And I hate it. And then we see repentance. We see one who seeks forgiveness. How do you think of yourself before God? And so this is how Paul is uh, describing himself here. Thirdly, we not only see how Paul thinks of himself, but we see what he thinks about God's law. Look at verse 16. He says, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. God's law is good. That's what he's saying. And then look at verse 22. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. This could be almost lifted from Psalm 119 here, can't it? I delight in the law of God in my inner being, my inner man. I I love God's law. Here we have a man who knows, he knows in his heart that God's law is good. Of course, there may be many non-believers who think that the law is good. The Pharisees, for instance. But have you ever met anyone who is not in Christ who would say, my delight is in the law and character of God. Who looks at the law of God and sees it for what it is is—is holy and righteous and good. That it comes from God to Himself and who will say that the words of God, God's living Word is sweet to my soul. Contrast that view with an unbeliever's view of God's law. Um, In the next chapter, in chapter 8, and verse 7, it says this, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, and indeed it cannot. That's one of the markers of a non-believer. One who is hostile to God's law. Not one who, who loves it, but one who hates the law and the Word of God. Paul here loves God's law. His hostility is not against God. His hostility is not against God's law. His hostility is against the sin that is remaining in Him. And so that's why you can say in verse 17, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin that dwells in Me. We'll come back to that in a moment. But fourthly, I want us to understand that some people look and say, well, Romans 7 is one person, and Romans 8 is a totally different person. Romans 8, that's the Christian lie. But as you read chapter 8 and find these wonderful, assuring words, like verse 15 of chapter 8, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We read Romans 8. That's a favorite chapter of many people. If I asked you your favorite chapter in the book of the Bible, I I would guess perhaps a majority of you would say Romans 8. But I want you to see that, that Romans 8 is not set up as a contrast to Romans 7. In fact, Romans 8 and verse 13 says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He's continuing His thoughts. There is sin in the believer. And so the activity of the believer in your life is you need to be putting the sin in you to death. You need to be actively killing it. And even those great words in verse 15 of Romans 8 that says um, that you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Think about what it is to cry out to God, Father. It's this sense of, of one who is crying out to God in his pain, in his contradictions, hating his sin, and finding a God who receives you in his love and adopts you as your as his son in Jesus Christ, as one who brings peace to your tormented soul. God speaks, you are mine, and I am yours. Are you aware that you are weak? Are you aware that you are needy and require God's sustaining grace for all of your life? Do you know that? Only a believer can know that this is true. And so when we look at these verses in chapter 7, what we see, I, I, I want us to believe and understand that this is the Apostle Paul himself who has cast himself entirely upon the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you may ask a question, well, why is that? Why is it that we have this battle? Why is it that we have this contradiction? Why do I find myself nodding my head with Paul because I do those things that I hate and I don't want to do them and and I hate that I do them. Why does this chapter connect with so many people? Why do I have this battle within? Let's go back to verse 14. It says, For we know that law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. This language of slavery is brought up again. You might say, well, how can he be a believer if he is still a slave to sin? But again, notice in verse 14, it says, I was sold under sin. In other words, he is sold against his will. That's not his will. That's not his desire. That's why he can say in verse 17, it's not I who do it, but it is sin that dwells in me. He's saying, it's not me. It's not the renewed man. It's that foreign thing that is now alien to me, but it is still inside me. That sin that no longer has dominion over me, but that old man that I have to work at shedding and getting rid of. It is sin that remains in me. You see, on this side of glory, brothers and sisters, we're going to have this battle. Sin will still be there. And that's why there's this contradiction within the believer. is something theologians call indwelling sin or remaining sin. But we need to remember Jesus has freed us from sin's dominion. Sin is no longer the master of the Christian. Even though we still have its presence with us, we can fight against it. And it causes us pain. That we have it within us. Do you contradict yourself too? Do you know the pain? The agony of indwelling sin? Where you do the things that you hate? Is there any way that this can be resolved? I know this is there. Why? This isn't good news, Ben. Why are you telling me this is there and I'm just going to have this battle the rest of my life? Again, we look at Romans 7 and say, Well, I, I know what Paul is talking about. I get you, Paul. I, I understand that contradiction in you because I have that contradiction in me. That battle with sin is, is not just won and forgotten and written in the history books. It is ongoing every day. I can't agree with Walt Whitman. I am not large. I'm little. I I don't embrace sin. So what do I do? What do I do? Look here in the last two verses of our passage, verses 24 and 25, show us the resolution for this contradiction. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Understand, it's it's not about doing better. It's not about doing better. It's about having a heart that is humbled before God. A heart that's been broken by the law of God, which is the law of God is holy and righteous and good, and I need to see my heart. Is riddled with sin. And yet, it's about a heart who's been held together by the love of God in the midst of that. We get to verses 24 and 25 and it just sort of explodes with emotion, doesn't it? Wretched man that I am. He looks into his heart and sees one who's been redeemed and justified and adopted who's been freed from the dominion of sin and brought into... Uh, The household of God, of life and light. And yet he says, here I am a sinner, still a sinner. How do I resolve this tension? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. I think this verse is pointing us to a day when Jesus will return. I think this passage is, is showing the life of a believer. One who's already been redeemed by Christ. Jesus has already come and He's provided a deliverance. He's, this is a man who's been justified as stands declared righteous before God and yet is doing battle with sin. But here it's saying, Jesus will deliver me. Jesus will deliver me. There will be a final deliverance. Romans 8 will speak to this as well. And so where do we go? We we set our eyes, we set our minds on the promises of God in Jesus Christ. We find our rest and our peace in knowing that there will be a day in which all of the contradictions within our Christian lives, even that sin that I that I do that I hate that I've done, even this, Jesus will Get rid of it all. There will be a day when there will be no more sin and and Jesus will reign triumphant over sin and death. And all of this will be resolved in Jesus Christ. And so we look forward to that day. We pray as we saw Wednesday night, Thy kingdom come, O Lord. We pray that prayer with all of our heart. And until that day comes, we press forward, resting in the work and the promises of Christ and looking forward His promises yet to be fulfilled. Knowing Jesus is my righteousness. And He will make all things right. Even those things that are internal to me. And so we find the resolution to our contradictions. Not in saying, oh, I can handle it. I'm large. I can contain multitudes. I, I I can handle all these things. I can stop this. Go to the Savior. The one who conquers sin and death through His work on the cross. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we we do confess that we hate the sin that we do. I thank You for showing many of us that sin is evil. Help us to Never grow numb to that truth. For those among us who do not realize that sin is evil, I pray that You would open their eyes to that. To that sin in their own hearts that is rebellion against You. By Your Holy Spirit, would You draw us all closer to Christ. We would rest our hopes, our promises, our delight in You. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand now to receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.